This guy's already had a few winners in this game. It is Tim O'Keefe. We nicknamed him TKO. So it's uh, I think the the mantra, the slogan's going to be TOK with a TKO, and he's TKOing this NBA slate again. Already a few winners. What have you gotten tonight to hit? Man, John, that was I love that line there. I, that was T O K. Oh, T-O-K it's T-K-O. great, John. That's that's a that's good on one. a T shirt. I'm, I'm taking that. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I would love that. So yeah, so we got a couple winners early tonight, and they were honestly, you know, it was they were nice, relaxing winners. We had the Hawks minus seven, and they blew out the Thunder one sixteen ninety three. So that's a what is that twenty? I'm not even going to do the math. That's a big cover there. And then we get into I took the under in. Magic and Knicks, and that game, in a, a rarity in today's NBA, stayed under 100 total, 94-93. The over-under was 206, so, and that was at the end, actually, when I was on with Sean earlier, we were at 207.5, so it kept going down, but it kept going down for a reason, and that, that game just stays low. Those two teams have played three times this year, and each one has finished under 200 total points. Yeah, not a very good scoring game, although Julius Randle, a nice little triple-double there for Julius Randle. 18 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists for, uh, I guess, the Knicks point guard. Should we not even call him a power forward at this point? He's uh, he's the point guard for the Knicks there in New York. I, I, I think the correct I think the correct term is officially the point forward. Point forward, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Julius Randle's turning into the Ben Simmons of the New York Knicks, so uh, that's a that's an interesting development. Uh, we do have a, a lot of late-night action, though. Timberwolves, Suns, Pelicans, Trailblazers, Lakers, Hornets. Any action on tonight's games? Sure. So I got one more from our afternoon slate earlier that I'll go over again. We got Hornets at Lakers. The total right now is back up to 224.5. It's been bouncing around between 224 and 225 really all afternoon. I'm all about the over in this game. And really, we got some trends with Charlotte that have just been saying, hey, this is going to be an over. So the last six games that the Hornets were underdogs, which they are tonight, the game has gone over. The last 10 Hornet games, the game on the Hornet games on the road, excuse me, the game has gone over. They're on the road tonight. The five of the last seven times they were in the back half of a back to back, the game has gone over. That is the situation tonight. So we got three different trends with Charlotte where they've just been playing over basketball. And it's not just about, about Charlotte, even though that's the primary reason I love this game. The Lakers have been averaging 123 points per game in their last three. That's well above their season average of 112. I think they've figured out a way. They're trying to figure out how to win without Anthony Davis. And one of those ways is they picked up pace. AD really helps them in that half-court game. But when he's not there, you've got to find a way to adjust. And they are picking up the pace as well. 123 points per game. Charlotte in that same stretch, again, last three, small sample, but they're averaging 113. Had those two together, you're well above the number. Not that it's that simple every time, but I, I gave you the reasons why I like Charlotte, I, or the Charlotte over. I am all about the over tonight. I'm hoping to make it the perfect three for three. That's the only warning I'll put out there for everybody. Look, a three for three night, it's an amazing night. It doesn't always happen. <laughs> so we're two for two so far. So let's hope it happens. Let's hey, I, I think you're on the right side of things there because uh, I, the Lakers, yes, they have picked up the pace. But I think more, I'm on the lo- on the lo- along the lines of the Hornets. Um, they have figured out something here. Like, LaMelo Ball looks incredible. Hayward fits in there really well. Terry Rozier, I mean, this... This is kind of a, a dangerous team, right? Is this a team we're not talking about enough with the way the Heat are and the Knicks are playing? Oh, man, John, I think you, you just took this right out of uh, some of my Philly Influence <laughs> articles. I think Charlotte is getting, like, just no love in this league. And I think it's partially just because they play in Charlotte and the Hornets haven't been relevant in years. But you're right, LaMelo Ball has been playing incredible. I think it's going to hurt some Lakers fans tonight to see him 
what he's able to do when they drafted Lonzo at number two. And it's like, man, LaMelo is just everything they wanted Lonzo to be, and it just never came through. That He is a great player. Devontae Graham has been playing great for them as well. The Hornets, I believe right now, they're in fourth or fifth in the East. At yeah. The end of the day. Yep. I have to double-check, but they are playing great basketball, and they, they might be hosting a series come playoff time. Yeah, they are fifth seed right now in the East, just below the Miami Heat. Miami Heat twenty two and nineteen. Charlotte Hornets twenty and nineteen. Somehow the Hawks are above five hundred. I don't know what the heck the make of the East right now when I'm seeing the Hawks at twenty one and twenty. Uh, but I did have Charlotte to make the playoffs at plus money on DraftKings. So I think Tim, I think I'm going to cash out that bet at the end of the regular season. I think the Charlotte Hornets are going to make the playoffs. I got that at plus 160 uh, during the All-Star break. So the the Boston Celtics, I want to go through some of the, the teams in the NBA, because especially the Eastern Conference, because it's just shuffling around like crazy. Is Boston just done? Are they, are they flat out done, or do they still have some life to them? So... I, I, I've gone back and forth on this a couple of times this season. I'm still a believer in o- the overall talent that Boston has. I know I don't like the Celtics there. If you make me say what team in the NBA do you just want to hate on a year in year out basis, <laughs> it's the Celtics. But I got to admit the like I Jason Tatum, uh, uh, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart. It's a good trio. The first two were all stars this year, and Marcus Smart. I, I think he's actually potentially their most important player. Their most important player and best player don't always exactly align. But he seems to be the leader on the court out there for them. He plays really stingy defense. He's been first-team All-NBA on the defensive team, I believe, multiple times, at least it was last year. Zach, he plays tough. He's the kind of guy, like, I hate it when he's playing the Sixers because it's frustrating because what he can do defensively. But I'll admit, I think we'd love him if he was here. Like, they, they have the talent there. I know they haven't put it all together, but I buy in that Brad Stevens is a good coach. And I hate that, man, my first time in the line change, I'm essentially writing a Boston Celtics love letter. But, yeah, uh, what I, is that? Tim, I, I was not expecting this. We'll have to redo this segment over. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Well, there's a second. We're going to cut. This isn't live, right? We're going to cut out. Right. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. This is not terrible. live at all. No okay. way. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Okay, so I'll, I'll be ready for that when we get back. But, yeah, I, I'm buying in. I think Boston's going to come back and be battling for that fourth spot. Again, I told you, I buy the Hornets. I think they're in competition for it. Um, and I, I think Miami's right there as well. As you mentioned, uh, I heard with Ariel in the previous segment, that with the Jimmy Butler, that team is completely different. It's going to be great. I expect yeah. Boston to be in that four, five, six range, and they will be a tough team come playoff time. Yeah, they will be a very tough team. So that's a look at the NBA. Again, some of the plays for tonight from Tim. Uh, the over in the Lakers-Hornets game. But we do have college basketball action, and we're getting that game to tip off in, I think, about 10 minutes. Michigan State taking on UCLA. Michigan State, and this is going against the trend of fading the public here. Michigan State is a huge public favorite. They're, you got to lay two and a half with them. They're minus 148 on the money line, but the public is all over them. Is that a sign to be worried? Or are we sticking with the Spartans? I think the answer to that, both of those questions, can be yes. <laughs> uh, so I am, I am 100% sticking with the Spartans. I. Uh, I'm going to talk to you a little bit. I have a big Pac-12 theory that I'd love to get to. So I'm anti-Pac-12, so let's leak that right now. So I don't like UCLA. The Big Ten is the best or second-best conference between that and the Big 12. And Sparty just has that top talent. We know the story where they've taken down uh, three top five teams this season. I, In my mind, everyone has been saying, hey, Sparty's going to kill him. Sparty's going to kill him. And you're right, the spread has moved a little bit. But what, from the beginning of the week when these matchups came out, I expected the spread to go from, I think it was like opened up at one and a half. I expected it to get to like 
four or five. So did I. Yeah. And it's only at yeah, and it's only at two and a half. So now you, you look. I'm still sticking with Sparty. That's my gut. I just laid out the logic. But yeah, I'm worried because when the public's all on one side and Vegas is not moving that line, it makes you think they know something that we don't. And yeah, so the answer to both of your questions is yes. Yeah, I'm surprised that I agree with you. Once I did see it at two and a half, that that's my first thought uh, when I saw that today. I'm like, oh, that's not moving it at all. That's usually not a great sign. But hey, the lines that have moved today, Mount St. Mary's, um, and also the other game as well, Drake it moved in their favor. They were a two point underdog, then ended up closing at two and a half. They ended up losing. Now, App State, they were the favorite, and uh, the public was backing them, although I did start seeing some sharp money come in on Norfolk State. But App State, they're down by 10 to the Spartans of Norfolk State. And uh, so that's looking like another public favorite that is going to go down. Michigan State, we'll see if they can buck that trend. But all right, you have me intrigued about the Pac-12 trend. Hopefully, this doesn't mean my Colorado over Georgetown pick in my bracket is going to be wrong or a bad pick. So I have to know what is that Pac-12 pick yeah, or Pac-12 right, yeah, trend, so is, I guess. Yeah. I'm, uh, so I'm going to call this, I call this my Pac-12 silo theory. And you know, it's, we're going to go a little bit down the rabbit hole here. So bear with me, but the, I looked at each of the teams that made the tournament from the Pac-12 and I obviously like a lot of the conferences this year have had to play in silos because there's not as many non-conference games just due to COVID and that's and I completely understand that. But most of our bigger conferences, like the Big Ten, Big 12, SEC, they had like those, hey, we're going to do the Big 12 SEC Challenge or things like that, and they played outside the conference to give you kind of that one comparison point. The Pac-12 didn't do that. So I went back and looked at the five teams that made the tournament, their best non-conference win. And let me, let me read you off this list real quick. So starting with Oregon State, their best non-conference win was UT San Antonio. Uh, their... Oregon, best win, was Seton Hall, a team from a big conference, but they did not make the tournament and really weren't that great this year. Colorado, their best non-conference win. Uh, Kansas State, who was pretty much near the bottom of the Big 12. USC, best win, best non-conference win. At BYU, so that we, we have one co- a tournament team there. So BYU is a pretty quality team. Again, they're in a conference where they played Gonzaga twice, and they didn't really play much outside that. So I'm, I have some curiosities about BYU, but let's just stay, let's just stay with my Pac-12 conspiracy theory to start. <laughs> uh, and then UCLA, their best win was Marquette. Who uh, Marquette's decent. Again, another non-tournament team. And these teams, they, ha- they did play some other teams that were decent non-conference, but they, they all lost to them. Like going back, Oregon lost to Missouri. Missouri's a nine seed. Like, okay, not a great team. Colorado lost to Tennessee. USC lost to UConn. UCLA lost to Ohio State and San Diego State. Now, those were the two good non-conference matches. I can understand losing to those teams. But what I'm trying to get at here is I don't know how we can truly evaluate some of these Pac-12 teams. Like, it, I, I'm getting a little nervous trusting them. So I came up with a, uh, a fun little long shot parlay. I know here at the Gambler we have a bunch of people who love putting out some long shots. Yeah, the, the uh, moon so shots, I think. Is yeah. that what they call them? I think we like doing that around here. I, <laughs> I, I believe that is what the term is. Yeah, so I came up with my – it's a, it's a spinoff of a long shot parlay, like a moonshot parlay, and I've specifically named it uh, Bill Walton Nightmare Fuel. There we go. Yeah. So, yeah. so what, what we got is all money line. We have Tennessee over Oregon State, Georgetown over Colorado, <laughs> BCU over Oregon, and then uh, it would be Drake over USC. 
I did some rough math, honestly, before uh, we jumped on earlier tonight, so I don't know the exact payout. I did some rough estimates, and I expect that probably to pay out about 30 to 1. Um, again, Drake wasn't final when I was putting this together, so I had to use a comp where I thought the spread would be. But ballpark, you should end up at about a 30 to 1 there. And, of course, it's a 30 to 1 play. Do I expect it to hit? No. And if anyone thinks they're expecting a 31 play to hit, they're, they're lying to you because that's, there's a reason it's 30 to 1. But I, I think that has a decent shot to play if my Pac-12 silo theory is correct. And I'm looking at that UCLA-Michigan State game tonight to help you tell because if Sparty really just kill, kills them, then I'm going to feel a lot good about the Bill Walton nightmare fuel. You know what? Take out that Georgetown one, and I think yeah, I think you got me. I think you have me hooked. I can't bet Georgetown, Tim. That's my only thing. I love the conspiracy theory. I love the fading Pac-12 uh, parlay you want to put together. But I'm not going to lie. I'm not betting Georgetown. If that's fair, is that fair? <laughs> oh, Chuck, that's absolutely <laughs> fair. Look, I say that's the longest shot that we have in here. So hey, look, I. Again, do I think this parlay is going to hit? No. Someone's going to let me down. Knowing me, it's probably going to be the one favorite, and it'll be Tennessee. Right. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So, but yeah, no, look, Georgetown is, I, I'm kind of buying into that hot streak a little bit, and I think they could carry one more again. And you know, I just told you my whole Pac-12 theory, but yeah, no, that game is, if, if I told you, I am, I can't tell you I'm confident Georgetown's going to pull this one out. I like their odds where it's at for the money line payout but I'm not confident Georgetown's going to pull out that win. So when you get off here on the line change, which I'm assuming about 10 minutes, uh, I'll probably keep you for the next hour or two, or I'm never going to let you go just because I need these picks and I need to make some money. Uh, but whenever you do hang up, just know your phone is going to be blown up by somebody by the name of Sean Brace, uh, who has been trying to hit you up, and uh, he has been gassing you up all over Twitter because your hits, uh, your picks just continue to hit. And he told me on Twitter uh, to tell you that uh, you're making some good damn calls. So uh, <laughs> if you hang up and your phone is blowing up, you know who it is. You know, I, I, so uh, my setup right now is I got some notes here on my laptop, and I'm staring straight at the laptop. I got uh, I got another uh, screen going on here with that App State Norfolk State game, and I kept seeing my phone just light up <laughs> in different. And I was like, I don't know what's happening here, but I, I like I'm talking to you. I'm focused. I'm locked in, and now everything's starting to add up. That makes sense. And you know what? I, Obviously, Sean's listening, and uh, hey, I am glad the play's worked out, and this has been a great <laughs> night for us so far. Yes, it has, and let's continue with more, maybe some first-round winners as well. So, Georgetown, you're putting into a parlay. So, other upsets, and I, I ask this to everybody, but we do look for the upsets. It's going to happen in the NCAA tournament. So, I'm trying to get as much information as I can for me and for the listener as well for some of the upsets that we should be looking at and which ones people like. So for you, what are the upsets that you like the most? Sure. So I gave you the Georgetown one. I'll be honest. In my bracket, that 12 is my biggest upset pick. My next one that I got, though, is, again, I'm, I'm reading the spreads. And, you know, when something doesn't smell right, right that's yes. what I'm going yep. Texas, Texas Tech is only a four to four and a half point favorite against Utah State. That doesn't feel right to me. It seems like all the other 60s are bigger favorites than that. And Texas Tech has been – look, I love Mac McClung. That, that kid can play. He's really fun to watch. But they've been up and down. They out, like the Big 12 is obviously a really tough conference. It's very deep, a lot of quality teams. They, they've been not as hot as they once were earlier in the year. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know a ton about that Utah State team. I'm not Joe Tanzi who's able to stay well, up. Well, all I know is – 
I was watching Utah State game uh, not too long ago. It was for their uh, conference championship or conference game. Uh, they have a player number 44 who is wearing that number because he loves the Wendy's 4 for 4 deal. So just know I'm having Utah State win the national championship. John, I, I don't know if I've ever heard one stat make me feel so confident in a loss <laughs> in my life. That, that, I'm, I'm good. All right, sold. Good. That, that I am at all in Utah State winning a game, getting out of there. And again, you're, you're good. It's a great question this time of year. What are the upsets you love? I, I generally, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. So I've had success in brackets in, in the past. I, I'm not super aggressive on the upset. Like the 12-5 usually is as far as I go. Um, and that and this year, that's where I've ended up. Obviously, I evaluate the other matchups. I'm looking at the 13s and 14s, trying to find something. This year, nothing really jumped out at me um, beyond that. So really, that Georgetown pick. And then uh, Utah State. Those are my two biggest upsets. Yeah, and I think that is very good advice, by the way. There are going to be upsets, so try and pick some. Pick your spots, but also don't have them go too far and don't pick too many because generally they don't go very far and there aren't so many upsets. It's just trying to figure out the few that are going to happen and I mean, I say few. There are so many games that it, it ends up feeling like a lot, but it is few, so Pick your spots. Don't have them go too far in your bracket. I think that's really good advice. We're talking to Tim O'Keefe. We call him uh, TKO around here. But, Tim, you can follow him at T-O-Keefe, K-E-E-F-E, 1992. And it's funny that you had that on there, and Sean Brace had no idea that that was your birth date. You didn't put that together. It's still one of the top ten funniest Sean Brace moments I've ever heard on the Daily Ticket. Uh, So that's great. But final four teams. Um Number one seeds, we, we always put in there, but it's very rare, like Ariel Epstein of SportsGrid, who was on with us in the first hour, and she's right. It's rare to get all th- uh, three f- number one seeds, four number one seeds in the final four. So now we also try and pick our spots here and what teams sneak into the final four. Are there any teams for you that stick out? Uh, sure, John. So going back to saying how many one seeds are actually going to make it, that, that stat that you said, well, hey, there's not a lot of times it's three and four. Perfect, because I only have one in there. I have Illinois getting in there. And then the rest of my final four is Ohio State, Alabama. And then, look, I can't really call it a long shot. They're a three seed, but I got Kansas getting in there as well. So those are my teams. I think Kansas is probably the surprise there. I, I think they can take down Gonzaga when they get to that Elite Eight matchup. Gonzaga is obviously on paper the best team in the tournament. There's no denying it. You look at the Ken Palm stats, they are – top of the line, and I understand that. I go back to this year where they they did play good competition early on, so it's not that like the Pac-12 there. Like, they played Iowa, they played Kansas, and they played West Virginia, and they won all those games. And those teams are all three seeds or better in this tournament. I, I do think a problem, and I think we've seen it in Gonzaga in the past, is they haven't played a really good team in now probably two or three months when – Teams like Kansas have been battling in the Pac-12, or excuse me, the Big 12, and they have just been fighting all season long, and I think they're more prepped for these tougher games. So I have the Jayhawks getting in. I think that would be my surprise that a lot of people don't have, and they take down Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. Kansas, I do like. That one is going to be a very interesting region because we're trying to figure out what is that team could be Gonzaga. That's what that's what this region is. It's all Gonzaga. They can go all the way. It seems like an easy route, but 
you know, maybe there is that one or two teams that could end up taking down Gonzaga, and I think Kansas could certainly be one of them. Baylor, though, are we worried about Baylor heading into this tournament? Because I, I feel very strongly that they're going to get upset somewhere along the way. Unfortunately, there's not a good 8 or 9 in North Carolina, Wisconsin to do that. But maybe a team like Purdue meets them in the Sweet 16. And I think the Boilermakers have a huge shot. Just how are we feeling about Baylor? Because that's a, that's a one seed along with Michigan that I just don't feel very confident about right now. Sure, John. That aligns with, I did some stats research where we're looking, I was talking with Sean today, like what makes up a champion? Like what is the blend here? And one of the stats is, is for the past 12 years, using those Ken, Ken Palm analytics, teams with top 20 teams in defensive efficiency have all, excuse me, all 12 champions in the past 12 years have been top 20 teams in defensive efficiency. I don't know why that took me so long to get out, but that's <laughs> a stat. And Baylor is 44th. They are, they are the only one seed outside of that top 20 range. And Baylor, that does that is a cause for concern for me. They are not as good a defensive team as a lot of their competition that they'll run into later in the tournament. Purdue's an interesting one. I, I was torn. I do have Baylor winning that matchup. I have them getting that far, and then I have them falling to Ohio State. But I agree, Purdue's a live dog. They could, I am not going to be surprised if they come out there. Um, we have App State coming back, and they have just taken the lead against Norfolk State. 46-45 with seven, seven minutes remaining in the second half. Good Lord, Appalachian State. What a comeback. Um, yeah, they could be the first one now. We were talking about trends. They could be the first one, a public favorite, a favorite on the spread, to maybe end up winning this game and actually covering it. That would be a first for tonight. So uh, that'll be very interesting to see. But, uh, Tim, you killed it again. You, you're you a winner already because of your uh, plays with the daily ticket. And, again, Sean Brace is blowing your phone up, so I'll let you get back to Sean Brace uh, because he's your number one fan, I think, at this point. Uh, so make sure you make sure you autograph and send him something. I'm sure he's going to need it. Uh, but thanks for coming on the show tonight. Great debut again on the line change. And we're going to be doing this every week with you. All right, man. It was a ton of fun. Yeah, John, this was a blast, man. I can't looking forward to the next one. Can't wait. Awesome. That dude's the man. T.O.K. with the T.K.O. of the NBA slate, NCAA slate. He's killing it. Dude's good. Give him a follow, by the way. He needs more at T.O.Keefe. K-E-E-F-E, 1992. He needs more followers. Get him it, because he's going to need it.